This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing games and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Thursday, November 14th of 2019, it's episode 166. In this episode, Lawful Good, part one of our new alignment series, plus one-page RPGs, admin changes, a return to Sharn, a surprising amount of Wonder Woman, and more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. And we're back on the mics. I'm all bundled up because it's really cold tonight for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Weather, I guess. That might be something. I mean, it is mid-November. It's supposed to start cooling off around it this time is, of year. We're, we're in the middle mm-hmm. of a cold snap, and it's fine. Yeah, usually there's not as much snow on the ground this time of year, even up by me, but eh, eh, these things happen. Yeah, we, we had our first, you know big drop below freezing so that's fun we had our first drop into the single digits we less fun (laughs) all righty so how's everybody doing tonight really tired i'm just coming off of a big trip yeah yeah you had quite the trip and i did not uh, hang on a second a physical trip where i went to a place (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anybody would have ever thought you were using hallucinogens, Jenny. Like, of the three of us, I think they would have thought, no, Grant's probably the one who does that. <laughs> yeah. But, I you know. know, good to clarify. It's appreciated. Yeah, yeah. It's just that weed is legal here. <laughs> well. So, eh. yeah. Do, do people trip on weed? No. I don't think so, no. I think it's more of a depressant than a hallucinogen. I mean, I'm wondering if you can trip on a depressant. Well, I mean, if you freeze a large block of it and then run into it with your foot and fall over it. Yeah, it's not, it's not a hallucinogen, so. Okay. That, let me clarify that. It's not a hallucinogen unless you take absolutely enormous amounts and get so out of it, you just kind of start to lose track of what's real. But okay. it's those are not... Uh, it's not a hallucinogen in anything like the way that LSD is or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, I think you basically have to be Snoop Dogg <laughs> or Willie Nelson to... Uh... <laughs> and this has been Drug Talk with two old white guys and... Ah, <laughs> uh, <sighs> yeah. I can't even handle the prescription painkillers that I was given once. I decided pain was better. That gives you an idea of what kind of a lightweight I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just get anxious about medicine. I don't, you know, (laughs) I I take it and then freak out about it. Anyway, (laughs) we have a topic tonight that we really do need to get into. We are talking about, well, we're going to be starting a new series. We've mentioned it previously. Yeah, we have teased this one already. We have, but I want to make it official. We are officially starting our alignments series. Now, one thing I want to point out is that we're going to be tackling these in a slightly unorthodox way order. We're going to be handling all the lawful alignments, then all the neutral alignments, then all the chaotic alignments. And that's partly, you know, because it's more interesting and partly because we didn't want to just talk about evil for three episodes in a row or three episodes in a row of like, how are people good? Yeah, mix it up a little bit. The other piece of it is that I think most of our audience 
has a general grasp of like what it means to be a good character, what it means to be an evil character, especially if you've been listening to this show for a while. That's something we talk about a fair bit, you know, character expressing goodness or evil in, in certain ways in character, right? Not, not talking about players here, we're specifically talking about characters. Law and order, I think, are somewhat less clearly understood by the gaming community at large, certainly by a lot of gaming authors. Mm-hmm. I've got a rant about that. You hold tight. <laughs> we wanted to kind of focus on law and then neutral and then chaos because there's more to talk about there, we think. Yeah. Now, before we get into that, we do have a couple of other opening things that we need to take care of. So, yes. first of all, I want to give a shout out to one of the players in my Sunday game who has been doing something that is above and beyond seems like almost too mild of a term for it. He has been doing, uh, this is uh, Aaron, by the way, Um, he has been doing plot summaries with images in them that he finds after the sessions. Bless you, Aaron. Bless you. Yeah, in the private Discord for my Sunday game, there is this entire channel that I have given him that is nothing but these plot summaries, and it goes all the way back to the first session. It is wonderful. I don't know, like, how to convince more players to do this, but your GM will love you if you yes. <laughs> I have to do those for the vampire game that I'm running, and they are helpful. I would, of course, love it if players did it, but... You know, one player's working two jobs, one is taking care of my kids, one is taking care of kids working a job and, you know, has sleep issues. So, yeah, I I get it. One just moved recently. Yeah, like like I I get that I'm the only one who can sit down and write this stuff out. But it is very interesting. It's not just good to have a record. Those player plot summaries help the GM know what was important to the players. Mm hmm. And they also let you know how the players saw stuff. Yeah, exactly. So they're great. And thank you for doing those. You're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's just it's it's wonderful. I wish more players would do that just in, you know, general. But I'm fortunate to have one of the ones who does. And yes, I wanted to thank him publicly on the show. So the other big bit of news, I would say, is something that most people probably won't notice, except maybe for episode intros. I have been doing a lot of the work on the podcast for about seven and a half years, and I have finally reached a point where it was getting overwhelming. I was kind of going, oh, man, should I just, you know, stop doing the podcast entirely? No. But Peter and Jenny were kind enough to take on a lot of the tasks that I have been doing behind the scenes. So Peter is handling uh, editing. He's handling like Patreon responses. I'm still kind of acting as the treasurer for the podcast, as it were. He's also going to be doing some website admin stuff. I'm doing some of that still. That's fine. Jenny's taking over social media stuff. Ish. Like, Peter's still doing the main posts on Facebook of the new episode because that's sort of considered almost part of the editing process. Well, it's part of the episode publishing process. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So basically, I've taken over as producer at this point. Yeah, absolutely. But Jenny's also taking over some of the, you know intermediate social media stuff and just kind of yeah. running a social media presence. Intermittent. As to, yeah. Yeah. There I mean, you as, go. and it's not like I'm not doing it either because right. I have tweet deck all set up, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. There's a blog post um, that I wrote a little while back just uh, called. Yeah. Big changes, but you yes. may not notice. And we'll link it in the show notes. And hopefully you don't because we're really not changing all that much. The only, 
the only thing that we really got rid of is um, yeah. we are stopping the Friday stream. Uh, it was getting very, very low viewership. We tried it for yeah. about a year and it never really got any traction. No, it never got anywhere and was a big expense in terms of, hey, we should get a new game to stream. And also it was just a huge time sink. I will say straight up, like, I think I probably enjoyed streaming the least out of the three of us. I did not enjoy doing it. As much as people seemed to enjoy watching me stream games, because I believe viewership with me and just chat engagement in general was a bit higher, oh my gosh, I did not enjoy streaming very much at all. I kind of dreaded it every single time. Yeah, same here. And I pretty quickly got to the point where I was dreading it too, but we were committed. So we're backing off that. It just wasn't working for anyone, either Patreon supporters or the viewer community and listener community or us. One other thing that I do want to call out that was a small change that we made. Since I I think all of our Patreon backers do listen to the podcast, but they don't always um, read all the blog posts or, you know, the messages that go back and forth over Patreon. One of the things that we did add is you have the option of having a colored Discord handle based on your funding level. If you are interested in that, all you need to do is send us a Patreon message with your user handle and I will take care of the rest. Or sorry, yeah. Well, no, a... Your Discord user handle. Uh, Patreon, because then I, oh, then really? I link okay. it over and... Yeah, uh, and then there's, you link it there's through stuff Discord. To do there, but yeah. That's weird, Yeah, I, but okay. I do need the message in Patreon just so I can keep track of like funding levels and change colors as need be and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. oh, I meant... Okay, no, never mind. Okay. I was covering a different <laughs> grammatical thing that you did. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, all of like this is probably more time spent talking about it than is strictly necessary. But and FYI, it's a thing. Inside baseball. OK, better baseball. So we finally yes. got to play some D&D again, which was exciting as, you know, the Sharn game. Jenny, unfortunately, missed the second episode of, yeah. you know, kicking things off. I'll have to fill you in on how that went, Jenny. Yeah. Because plot, it's taken a turn sort of so that'll be good one thing i do want to call out is that we have had terrible trouble with the vampire game and we're all really wanting to kick it off again but one of the issues we are having is that for all that vampire is a beloved system and white wolf is a or well 90s white wolf is a beloved game company Vampire, for all that it is a game about storytelling, is a 90s RPG with all the mechanical bloat and mm-hmm. bad editing that mm-hmm. that implies. What we have done, and this was almost on a whim, but we just kind of pulled the trigger and did it uh, while we were kind of talking with a few of the players, is we've switched over to a Powered by the Apocalypse hack for Vampire called Powered by the Dark by Holden Shearer. I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes, too. I keep saying I'm going to. Peter's now doing that. Ha ha! Quick question about this. Does it just do vampire or does it do other early World of Darkness games? So he actually wrote up six different hacks for this. It's Powered by the Dark Vampire, Mage, Vampire the Dark Ages, Kindred of the East, Kindred of the Ebony Kingdom, and Mage the Sorcerer's Crusade. And also uh, live on. So, So no werewolf, but... There's no wraith, anything weird right okay but but mage is the thing that i would be the most interested in so oh, i would just play straight original mage 
because the weird complexities of the system kind of work for mage because it's all arcane nonsense anyway uh, fair enough <laughs> arcane nonsense in a game about arcane nonsense yeah i see how that I know. would work but yeah i i would take a look at it again i'll i'm gonna link the patreon post that this all is published in uh, okay. these are just hacks right but i want to give credit where they're due and we're gonna give it a try and i'm i'm excited so it, it, it should be fun i will be very anxious to hear how that goes me too <laughs> because uh yeah there's um there's a lot of clunk and bloat in the storyteller system <laughs> we ran into that even playing innocence a little bit and that was the newer version last thing i want to shout out two podcasts real quick first i mentioned pontifax last episode i believe i think the um, last two episodes yeah well i'm going to mention it again i'm continuing to blaze through it and having a blast um one thing i want to point out we had a you know we had a uh, a series that we tried to do for a little while called historical heresies that was fun for us because we loved learning about all of these old weird heresies and also because it's just interesting and theological, but it wasn't exactly gaming content. Well, it turns out when you are going through a history of the popes in the early church, one of the things they talk about is all of those heresies. So if you miss the historical heresies series, definitely give Pontifax a listen. Because they get into all of those and papal responses and like who supported which ones and things like that. It's really neat. And I strongly recommend it. One that I've started listening to recently that's just a short little like half an hour one, but it's called Stats Will Roll. And it is a completely randomized 5e character generation podcast. They have like this massive spreadsheet. They hit a button and they get like a class race background and alignment combination and have to try and make that work both mechanically and story-wise. I think my favorite one so far was a relatively early episode where they got like a goblin monk and wound up making him a jester. Huh. And it's, oh, it's, it's very cool. They, the hosts seem like really nice people and stuff too. So that's, that's kind of neat. I would recommend that as just kind of a fun light, you know, one way on a commute kind of a podcast. Last podcast I want to shout out, Chris Newton's, of course, a longtime friend of the show, and Mega Dumbcast is a wonderful podcast if you love listening to the worst parts of horrible role-playing games, and I do. But the past week, as of when this was recorded, Chris has been forced to go through what is genuinely the worst part of any Palladium book that we have covered, or we, that he has covered in Mega Dumbcast so far which is the section on the on autism as a character class in Beyond the Supernatural. It is. Oh, really yeah. now? Oh, it's dire. It's Okay. It's Kevin Symbietta saw Rain Man once and a few years later thought that was a documentary, right? Didn't rewatch re it and wrote it down as a character class. Oh. It's uh it's real bad. Okay. I don't, like, if you want to listen to those episodes, more power to you. Chris tries to handle it as tactfully as he can, and, you know, <laughs> he's as horrified as the rest of us, I assure you. But I mention this because there was a wonderful thing that he did as a follow-up, which was a special bonus episode talking with Steve D., who's a game designer in Australia who has autism, and Steve talking about a, this bad Palladium take, but B, also his experiences with autism as a game designer, what that's actually like, 
Again, it's nothing like Rain Man, things like that. So that one is really good, and I'm going to link that special episode in the show notes because it's really worth listening to. It's really good. I will have to make time for that. Speaking of podcast recommendations, if you two have not listened to The Good Orc yet, download it and listen to it. I was not kidding last episode. I recently listened to it again. It is real, real good. We should probably get onto our Patreon question and stuff. Yes, because huh? mm-hmm. we have a massive, massive topic so to big. deal with. <laughs> All right. Patreon question. I've got to die. I'm going to roll it. Let's make this happen, shall we? I keep rolling the highest possible number on this die, and it's hilarious. Okay, this is actually really good. This is from Joseph Lenarden, and he asks, If you could make a one-page RPG, what would it be? What would be the main dice you use if not a d20? All right. Well, I can tell you that whatever I make, it's going to be a d12. Yeah, the d12 is such a, especially if you can only use one die, because it divides up in so many different ways, it's a really good... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's numbers reasons, I know, but also it's just deeply satisfying to roll. Well, I was going there too, but yeah, it's, it's like, it's round enough where it rolls well, but it's got enough actual sides where it stops too. (laughs) It doesn't like roll right off the table like a D20 does. Yeah. It's the most aesthetically pleasing die. It is a platonic solid. It's a pretty cool die. Uh, one page RPG. I mean, technically I already made one. Yeah. I was going to say you've... You've got the easiest answer to this because you have done this. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I I wrote one for the 2000 or 200 word RPG challenge in 2018 called The Dive, which was all of it's 200 words. David Sherdwan, I'm going to get his name wrong, which is really bad because he just joined our discord. Um, (laughs) But uh, David Sherdwan and a few other people run that. I should probably link that in the show notes, too. But it's the, the dive was about basically the constant cycle of like failure and replacement and rebranding at one of those dive bars that just, or that isn't like one of those permanent fixtures, but rather is one that runs, opens, runs for like six months, fades, closes down, rebrands when another owner who's stupid enough to buy into the idea, buys it, reopens with new branding cycle continues, right? Just going through all that and like there's a there's a restaurant drama. in my old hometown that does that. It's there. There's this one cursed corner on the square in Woodstock where it's just like this thing has been 20 restaurants in the last 20 years. It's just like for me, there was actually a corner and all three of these are now gone, which makes me a little sad. But for about 10 years, there were three different dive bars that went through this all at one corner. Oh, boy. It was fascinating. Hmm. And they were like, one was like a nightclub kind of place. One was a biker bar. One was like a pool hall. But they all went through the same cycles. Hmm. It was very strange. Anyway, that's mine. It's cheap, but hey, there you go. I smell crime. Sorry, it's just, (laughs) I smell crime. You didn't have to smell it. You could see it from the road. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so this is probably based on the fact that it's NaNoWriMo and I'm deep in the writing weeds, but I think I would probably try and make one about struggling authors that fight ghosts with their manuscripts somehow. All right. I think that's a tight enough concept where I could probably get it down to a single page. I am not enjoying this question. Hang on. (laughs) 
because I I hate writing stuff. I don't <laughs> like writing very much. Like I I can transcribe facts from one page to another. That's and that's what writing show notes are, and I enjoyed that. I don't know how to write a system, and it's partly because my GMing style and my storytelling style is so chaotic and based on my own personal moods at the time. No, that's that's fair. So what you're telling me is that you're going to write everybody as Jenny? No, like <laughs> I'm saying my RPG would be you tell the GM what story you what kind of story you want to tell and then the GM will just sometimes tell you to roll probably a d20. I mean that works. Or percentile dice. I'm boring like that in a weird way. I I I yeah. That sounds almost like the trouble with Rose or something, actually. It's... Having never played it, I cannot comment properly. Ah, uh, okay. It's just, I, I I have a super freeform style of GMing. The question is, like, setting aside system, what would you want to write a micro RPG about, assuming that you magically could? I don't know. What do my players want to play? Okay. Like, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. And I think that's fair. Like... There, I think there is one of those weird myths out there where you, everybody has to be a player and then graduate up to being a GM. And similarly, there's this weird myth that, well, everybody, you know, should be able to write their own game if they want to. Not everyone wants to. I don't want to. I don't even necessarily, I guess I enjoy GMing for the kids, but I don't enjoy the process of GMing. I am still very much a player and... I, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I like. And I'm, even when I'm a player, I'm very much go with the flow kind of stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. what does the group want to play? I'll give you an analogy that hopefully will make you feel better. I enjoy listening to music quite a bit when I'm in the right mood. Like, I've got a bunch of favorite bands that I listen to and that sort of thing. I, I like it. There is a daddy long leg spider in my bathroom that has more musical talent than I do. Mm -hmm. I stink at making music, at analyzing music, at doing anything with yeah. music except for just sitting back and enjoying it. Yeah. And that's like, okay. There's plenty of other people out there that are way better at making music than I could ever be if I trained for the rest of my life to do it. So I'm not necessarily like feeling personally bad about this. It's just very challenging to have this question dropped on me at this like just on the spot because this is not a thing i think about at all and what i'm trying to say is i don't think it's a bad thing that you're having that problem yeah yeah same here joseph that's a really good question we appreciate it thanks very much and if you want to get your questions into us just support us on patreon if you don't already patreon.com saving the game and if you haven't done so yet Send us in questions. We appreciate those, and we want to to hear those from you. And Mm -hmm. question table access is available at the very lowest funding tier, so you don't even have to back us for much. A buck will do it. Joseph, send us another question, because that was your last one. Appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) It was his first one and his last one. He sent it to us, and he immediately rolled high on the table and got it right out of there. I know, (laughs) I know. Joseph, it goes fast sometimes. You you can send in a backlog. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's read our scripture. Let's get into this topic. Let's do this thing. So our first passage is Psalm 119, 12 to 16. 
Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And we have Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 32. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. And Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We are, as we said at the top of the show, talking about alignment in this episode and in many others to come, not necessarily all in all in sequence. We're going to have a few other topics in between. It's fine. It's how we do things. Yeah. <laughs> but we are starting this off with lawful good. Alignment is one of those things that people love to argue about. That's It's fine. It's what do, what do these two words mean in the context of my personal experience and gaming experience? Well, there's a lot of room for interpretation there. But, you know, we're, we're going to have our go at it, and that's fine. We expect yeah. to disagree a little bit. I'm looking forward to those disagreements. It's going to be great. I expect that all of you listening will be like, yeah, but actually, Grant, that's fine. <laughs> or Peter too. or Jenny. Nah, yeah, you guys are people fine. have been arguing about this since a year before I was born. I was born in 1978. And for, for the record, D&D was 1977. Yep. I do have a hot take, though. Okay. A lot of the confusion and bad takes about alignment that are out there are the direct result of AD&D 2nd Edition. All right. Okay. Basic D&D, like, I think the only alignment was Law and Chaos and Neutral, fine. Some of the earlier D&D editions, fine. AD&D, I know it was in 2nd Edition. I don't know quite enough about older versions of D&D that I, that I didn't play to know whether this was in AD&D 1st Edition. But whoever wrote the alignment system and alignment descriptions is personally at fault for a lot of these <laughs> there are some problems wait until you get to chaotic neutral oh and true neutral too yeah no there's some that is just like well i don't understand this i'm gonna write something stupid don't worry about it okay hot take done the good news is the the one for lawful good is not terrible there's maybe a little bit too much emphasis on one thing in particular but we'll get to that when we get there. Let's let's start to kind of break down lawful good. Here's how the AD&D 2nd Edition Player's Handbook describes lawful good. This is everything about it. Characters of this alignment believe that an orderly, strong society with a well-organized government can work to make life better for the majority of the people. To ensure the quality of life, laws must be created and obeyed. When people respect the laws and try, and try to help one another, society as a whole prospers. Therefore, lawful good characters strive for these things that will bring the greatest benefit to the most people and cause the least harm. 
an honest and hard-working serf, a kindly and wise king, or a stern but forthright minister or justice are all examples of lawful good people. This is not that bad. It's got problems. It's not. Here's it's the thing. It's got problems. It ain't the worst, but it's got some problems in there. Yeah. I am chomping at the bit. Good. I'm glad we're please mostly on the same Please let me go. Route. Can I please? I, I'm, I'm, release, oh, I'm releasing the gate. I'm releasing the gate. Jenny, the track is yours. All right. Okay, okay. Okay. Fine. I just wanted to throw the other one out just for contrast. Okay. First. Can, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Peter can throw them the other one out, and then I'm gonna yell about how they're both wrong. This is this is the the most recent one, which has been boiled down to just a tiny, tiny little piece of text. This is from fifth edition. Lawful good creatures can be counted on to do the right thing as expected by society. Gold dragons, paladins, and most dwarves are lawful good. I have some specific criticisms of this one based on what the paladin class is like in 5e, but go ahead, Jenny. Make with the okay. ranting. All right. Let me go bit by bit. Let me let me just just okay. Oh, let me boy. start off with I'm I'm freaking hate it. I'm freaking hate it when anyone is like, hey, hey, this particular race of individuals is probably, you know, this is collectively to this morality yeah is collectively oh and always I this alignment that. it makes me want to exit my skin yes i hate it so much <laughs> i agree now i there's a huge DD problem that i think is at the mm -hmm. back of this which is mm -hmm. we have conflated race and culture uh-huh uh -huh. okay yep. it's a big that, bad problem i think that's I, I what because I, I have no problem with saying this culture as a rule is you know generally lawful good or this culture is kind of you know kind of neutral evil right like that can happen yeah. but conflating mm -hmm. culture and race which is a big thing that DD does is mm -hmm. a huge problem mm -hmm. we are looking directly at 3.0 and 3.5 oh it, it goes all the way back it's a real i mean it does remember you could play like, an elf like not a not an elf something <gasps> you were just an elf you know, like, yeah, yeah it's got problems. I, it's like I am looking specifically, though, at many of the things in 3.0 where alignment was less a a guideline and more of a mechanical min maxi advantage thing. Yes. So that it is was, certainly a thing. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that was so heavy in 3.0 and 3.5 yes, yes anyway yeah, yeah. Okay. um yeah just the idea of racial alignments is something that i hate so much that getting rid of it was one of my design goals for that setting i started working on in the blog <laughs> and i think it is one of the things that has always yeah. attracted me to eberron where they specifically throw that out the window mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i am also not the biggest fan of the emphasis on both of these with society yes because societal norms and law as i think we're about to describe it are very 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 different things for instance in like, like in russia for just taking an example like in most places it is illegal for officers of the law to take bribes is it done constantly and societally accepted yes right so that's that that's where I'm also rankled at the wording of the uh, second edition one that implies, like, I I'm getting hard implications here that lawful good is bestest good. 
There this is, is that. how to be bestest good. There's nothing in here saying that the laws that are written have to be good laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, okay, so let's let's unpack that a little bit. Slavery was legal. Apartheid was legal. The Holocaust was legal. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Law yeah. and morality have very little to do with each other. Well, they don't they're not necessarily linked. That's what I mean. Like you can have good laws and evil laws, but they're not one cannot yeah. be substituted for the other. Moral and legal are independent definitions. Things can be both. Things can be neither. The first descriptive word in the AD&D alignment description, orderly, is one that I do like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's Order- not bad. Like, I like the idea of a lawful good character being someone who strives for good, but who does so in an orderly way, believing in working together with others, you know, believing in a social order, possibly, that is set up well and strives for the good of all, but also, you know, when they approach problems, approaches them in an orderly and organized manner. Yeah, these people will be very systematic. Like, if you've got something that's a problem, break it down into parts and start tackling them. That is a very lawful way of handling something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, The heavy emphasis on law does not leave any room for, say, somebody who operates by a strict moral code that runs counter to the laws of the society that they live in, which I have a huge problem with, which, Jenny, I think you said you had a huge problem with. Yeah, it's 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 a hard thing for me to word. The description that I've seen, and it is short and sweet, is... A lawful character strives to do good and believes that the best way to do that good is through order. Yes, and I like that. It doesn't pen them in to keeping to societal law. It does not pen them into that. It's like, I believe this is the best way to do good. I am not going to be unlawful good if I do something that is... The, the thing that the party votes on that, you know, is faster, but, you know, against a personal moral code, the code of some greater order that they are part of, believing that the best way to do good is through that. That's my favorite phrase to describe pretty much any of the alignments. Yeah, I don't think any of us would argue that somebody who is lawful good and who sees an unjust law being applied would then say, oh, well, you know, that's fine. They would then say, the problem is this unjust law. But their solution would not be, eh, just disobey it. It would be, the law needs to be changed because the law is important and because it is not good, that needs to be repaired. Right. I mean, a lawful good person is going to look at that and say, this is a broken system that is hurting people, but no system would also be bad. So let's make the system start working. Yes. Fix the system, not tear down the system and ignore it. Before we get too far into more definitional stuff, I want to throw down some other Groundwork before we get too far down the outline and skip over this. A character's self-perception does not affect their alignment at all, in either direction. An evil person that has convinced themselves that they are good is wrong about themselves, not good aligned. Mm -hmm. Similarly, a good person who is extremely self-critical is also wrong about themselves, not evil aligned. A external objective understanding of alignment and morality here, not, well, you know, they think they're doing good, 
to be clear, somebody who thinks they're doing good is a great candidate for, say, a lawful evil villain. And I'm super excited to talk about lawful evil. But, mm. you know, uh, we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. Also, people who insist that, that that thinking you're doing good is enough to make you good are edgelords. Um, <laughs> <laughs> both ends and means matter. Um, if somebody is going about trying to achieve good goals in a pitiless, ruthless way and leaving a trail of death and suffering in their wake, they are not good. Mm -hmm. uh, simply taking on religious trappings does not make one good. A murderous inquisitor burning people at the stake while quoting scripture to the mob they've whipped up is evil. Yes. This mm -hmm. is true even if the God they claim to serve is good. This is still true even if they occasionally or even usually get an actual evil person or monster in their witch hunts. Again, I cannot wait to talk about lawful evil. Let us plug uh, for for a, a quick moment a, a book series that is a YA book series by Amy Kathleen Ryan called the Sky Chasers series. It has one of the best examples of self-perception not equaling actual alignment that I've ever seen. Okay. It is it is absolutely it is a fantastic series. And I, I know a lot of people think that it is religion bashing, and I don't think it is. I think it is bashing the twisting of religion, mm. which which can be a difficult thing to tell the difference between. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I understand the difference there. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a fraught topic, but it doesn't mean it's not worth exploring. One other last little note here. Good people do bad things and bad people do good things sometimes. Alignment is about uh, consistency in the overall condition of one's soul, uh, attitudes towards others, and so on. It is not set by the best or worst thing a person has ever done. Yeah, that's all true. We've kind of broken down lawful good characters. How do we play them well? All right. I want to quickly <laughs> list a couple of examples just to give us a, a baseline of like, you know, well-known lawful good characters. I do not want to spend a lot of time on this because we want to talk about us playing characters, not right. other things. So but like, these are good instructive well, hold examples. On, hold on. They, they are, but I actually disagree with you on a couple of them. Atticus Finch is probably a very good, you know, from To Kill a Mockingbird, very good, classic, lawful good kind of character, right? He's a courageous lawyer. He stands up to defend people, that sort of thing. Maybe Captain America, you could argue neutral good. Same with uh, Wonder Woman. I, I actually think both of them are more neutral good. I am um, really, I am major Captain America neutral good. Yeah. The MCU version, you've certainly got a good argument, and I actually have that here in the notes. Um, Wonder Woman, I think, is more lawful good, but we'll get into that as we continue on. Yeah. And then there's, uh, you know, any number of officers from, say, World War II or, you know, things like that uh, that you could hold up as classic examples. Things, uh, you know, Dick, Dick Winters and Buck Compton are probably the two that people usually think of. Both of those guys are depicted in the Band of Brothers show, but apparently that was very accurate. So, of course, uh, Michael Carpenter from Dresden Files textbook is the version. textbook mm -hmm. lawful good. Yeah. yeah. But there is an archetype that does this badly. I think we all know the annoying paladin, the paladin or cleric who... I'm going to stab anything that my evil radar picks up. More than that, it's I'm going to use my lawful goodness as a bludgeon. And this is just... Yeah. It's in the same vein as I'm just playing my character. I'm playing my character's alignment provides cover for a lot of table problems. Okay? Mm -hmm. We're going to come back to this with chaotic neutral. Because I got some people to slap whoever wrote the AD&D 2nd Edition 
alignment descriptions, but <laughs> you know what? Lawful good can be just as bad because it's cover for being a jerk at the table. Now, the you know, I cast detect evil. I smite them. That's certainly annoying, right? But by the same token, somebody who's constantly haranguing the party, not cooperating with the party mm-hmm. because, oh, well, they're a rogue. Somebody who's just being a jerk and masking that behind any alignment. Yeah, the guy who slaps the ale out of the barbarian's hand when they're in the tavern because you're not allowed to drink around me. Yeah, basically anybody who's hogging the spotlight and saying, oh, you're, you know, you're trying to play your character. I'm going to, you know, be a jerk. Eh, please don't do that. Okay? No argument here. <laughs> <sighs> um, Playing this well. One of the things that you really have to think about when you say, I'm going to play a lawful good character, what is their relationship with authority? And what is their relationship with people in positions of privilege? Yeah. And a lot of the time, the answer is they are both. They can They can certainly be. Just to go back to some of our examples that we gave, Atticus Finch is an attorney. Uh, Captain America and the World War II officers that we referenced, military people. Wonder Woman has superpowers, which is definitely privilege, if not authority. So, And Michael Carpenter's got a holy sword and divine magic. So these people have resources and opportunities that are not available to the average person. And a lot of the time they actually have the ability to tell people to do things because of that. Yeah. I think more generally when the system is working well for you, you're going to think the system is good. So you, that is something that you need to be aware of when you're playing a lawful good character. Now I think it's great to play into that. Like that's fine. You can also play against type and say, well, you know, I I don't have any of these privileges, but I want them. I want to get my foot in the door, and I think it's good if they'll let me in. You could say you could have a lawful good character who says, I believe in a just and orderly society that does good. The society I come from is not that. It needs to change. I think you can also play this up really interestingly from the perspective of someone coming into a disorderly society from the outside. I'm thinking specifically of any sort of uh, immigrant character or any sort of character who comes from some sort of like orderly background outside of a political power structure, such as like a, a religious order of monks or something like that. In those senses, they would not necessarily have a massive amount of power within the society that they are currently living in, but they may still believe in the good, the inherent goodness of of certain types of order um, and certain moral codes. It also gives you the opportunity to play somebody who is a reformer in whatever organization that they're part of, right? Somebody who rises to authority tripped over all the problems on the way up and is like, okay, now that I'm in the position where I have some say-so here, you know, I'm going to start working to fix these things that made things difficult for me and that are still making things difficult for other people lower than me in this organization's, you know, org chart. And I want to add, as a GM, I want you to play characters who try and make trouble for powerful people benefiting from corrupted systems. Please do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is easy plot for me. Thank you. Carry on. (laughs) 
One thing I want to warn people of, though, be careful with this because it, this is brushing up very lightly against the civilized man among savages trope that's so unpleasant. So mm-hmm. yeah. be careful not to cross that line. But I do like the idea of I'm in a culture that, you know, doesn't think this way. Are there benefits? And, you know, having a conversation about that rather than, behold, I have proved my betterness. Yeah, that's a problem, but it's not like there's nothing of value in that conversation. Well, that's why I suggested a reformers. It's like I've, you know, I've been through all of this stuff. I know how awful it was. I'm going to try and fix that as an insider in this organization. Courage and resolve. I, this is one of those traits that I think comes up largely because of the association of lawful good with, you know, brave and courageous knights. Mm, To a degree. Like that's, that's the trope that I think it leans heavily on. I think it's also coming from the, and I think we're going to come up with this across all the good spectrums, Goodness is inherently and requisitely selfless. And selflessness is the vast majority of the time inherently courageous. It might not be physically sticking your neck out for someone, but if you are doing a selfless act for somebody else, you are definitely not self-preserving. You you are actively you are actively putting yourself in some situation that could lead directly or indirectly to you coming to some kind of harm or discomfort. Yeah. That is inherently courageous. Okay, so you know who springs to mind immediately that I forgot to stick in the outline for this? No. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, okay. That's a good we're one. Not gonna, we're not mm. going to worship your God. We, you know, we can't do anything to you, but we're not going to do this and... If you feel like you have to punish us for it, so be it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good example. I do think there's room for somebody who desperately wants to be this sort of person, but struggles with cowardice. Absolutely. Right. Like, that's, oh, yeah, that's a sure. good way to kind of take on this archetype maybe a little bit, because it's like, well, I want to be this, but I have to learn how to be courageous. I have to overcome, you know, these bad habits. I want to be this. That's my moral outlook. But. When it comes down to it, I struggle. That's fine. I see one of those people in the mirror every morning. (laughs) Now, that's where I actually... This is a little bit of a controversial opinion, and and people get angry at me pretty much every time I bring it up as a, a good idea. This is where I think the GM being the only one that knows your alignment, or or not necessarily the only one, but the person who says, you are acting in such and such a manner, therefore you are lawful good or neutral good or or whatever, I think that can be a good thing. Yeah. I don't Where entirely the, disagree. The, the player does not choose their alignment. They choose what they do. And from there, after a few sessions, the DM says, you are acting in such and such a way. You are probably this and this alignment. And that also allows for alignments to change, which a lot of people don't allow for and I think is a bad idea. Yeah, I think alignment changing is one of those things that is not so much not allowed as just overlooked. Because for a lot of players and a lot of groups, alignment is a quick character creation shorthand rather than something that is maintained and thought about throughout the game. 
Now, if you're running a game where that is part of it, where your moral standing and, and outlook change or affect things, then yeah, you're probably paying some attention to it. And those, in that cases, you should see shifts like this, especially when some, you're having dramatic moments of somebody going through a radical reorientation of their views because they've done something and, oh, I get it now, right? The redemption arc would be exactly the sort of scenario where you want to see this. For a lot of groups, it's a set it and forget it thing because otherwise you're just micromanaging one more thing on the character sheet. I agree with you. And if it were a game where that mattered, I would be totally fine with the GM tracking that kind of mentally. If there was some D&D-like system where it's like, well, you know, you have to be, you know, lawful good in order to wield this particular magic weapon. If I pick it up one day and I no longer can, that's going to be a cool dramatic moment because I didn't see it coming and my character is going to respond. Whereas if I mark myself down LG on the character sheet and never thinking about it again, that's it doesn't matter if the GM and player know or not. So you want to hear a funny story about that? Playing Pathfinder Kingmaker, I made a paladin character and he drifted into neutral good right before a boss fight and lost all of his abilities. Oh, fun. <laughs> Yeah, huh. I, I said something that was marked down as neutral or chaotic good on oh. the dialogue tree to one of my companions. It was just basically like a kind, reassuring thing. And that oh. pushed him into over the edge into neutral good and all kinds of class abilities stopped working. I have separate rants about alignment mechanics in video games. Oh, I have I have rants about alignment mechanics in tabletop RPGs at this point. I know, but <laughs> video game ones in particular, I'm, I'm looking at you, Bioware. <laughs> they are often clumsy and inflexible, and it's pretty much a which power track do I want to go down because I can't change it. You have to commit 100%. Like, you can't deviate. Exactly. Yeah. Some other thoughts about Lawful good, though. Sometimes, I think partially because of the relationship between the background of these characters and the privilege that they come from, in many cases, and the fact that they believe in order and often encouraging that in others and encouraging good in others, these can be good characters who take on leadership positions in a, a story. And that's fine. That's fun. It's not necessarily always the case that that's the leader character, but it's kind of an archetype that we're all familiar with, right? You know, the high-ranking cleric, the knight who takes charge, the example for others to follow, things like that. Yeah, the wise old wizard who's organized in his studies but very good. Gandalf. Yes, although, <laughs> well, I, listen, if you try and tell me that Gandalf's lawful good, I will fight you. Oh, Gandalf is neutral or chaotic good. He is <laughs> definitely you. not lawful good. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, as a general rule, that can show up a lot. I don't think it's a bad thing, but again, if you want to play against type, totally fine. In a way, my lawful good knight character in our City on a Hill game is half sort of a leader of the group if the group has a leader yeah um i think it's just that he's mouthy oh, I he's think that's mouthy. Part of it. <laughs> oh yeah no i won't shut up <laughs> but also because he is a noble in a ver in a game that is set entirely within society he's often the one who steps up and says 
I am the noble person and you should listen to me. Definitely not my character who's leading the party. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. But sometimes that's all all that's needed to fill a power vacuum. Yeah. Yeah, it can be. The other, another trait that you'll often see with lawful good characters is a lack of vices or general squareness. They tend to be at least somewhat self-denying, and a lot of them avoid basically vices that are there for fun. So they're not promiscuous. They don't usually drink or use, you know, drugs. Some of them are full-blown aesthetic or ascetics, but that's not, that's kind of outside the norm even for lawful good. Yeah, and a lot of that is simply because they have a code to follow. Yeah, yeah, and I, the the reasons for it vary from character to character, right? Some of them do it out of religious devotion. Others do it just to avoid entanglements and distractions. That seemed to be kind of the way that Dick Winters was in World War II, is he was just very careful about what he did so that it didn't compromise him as an officer. I actually think there's a difference there. I think a character who is sticking to a strict moral code is lawful good. Somebody who is trying to deny distractions and that sort of thing, I would call neutral good. I would not ascribe it to any particular alignment. Here's the thing. I think your actions can be chaotic as heck without any vice. I mean, that's absolutely true. I'm not saying vices are chaotic. Yeah, just the reason clear. why I have this in here is this is a common trope that you see with lawful good and not necessarily a necessary part of it. I agree about that. My point is just that I think the motivation for that sort of squareness or asceticism, if depending on what the motivation is, I think that changes whether or not it's lawful good or chaotic or neutral yeah. good. Okay, that that's all I was really trying to say. I don't, I, I'm still not getting the whole... Like you can you can be really ascetic and a terrible person, too. It bears mentioning again. I'm looking forward to all the arguments in the comments and discord and Twitter. OK, we kind of talked a little bit about depicting these characters without being annoying. The first thing that I think we would all like to emphasize is that if you are playing a good character, they should actually be good, not holier than thou. Yep. Good people are compassionate and kind. <laughs> they don't like watching others suffer. They care about the disadvantage and the downtrodden. They have empathy for the struggles other people face and the pain they feel. <laughs> this is true across the entire spectrum of good. But while it's not unique to lawful good, it is essential to it. Right. Don't confuse lawful with good. Yeah. It just like depict somebody who cares. That's a big part of playing good is just actually care. You know, if a character is too cool for school, they're probably not good aligned they might not be evil goodness requires you to care mm -hmm. <laughs> one of the things that i think has always annoyed me is the whole well lawful good doesn't mean lawful nice approach mm. to, to be to be super clear there's some room for this uh -huh. okay yeah but it also does is not an excuse for being a jerk in game or be again being holier than thou with your character or your character you know going well i'm lawful good so that means i'm gonna you know burn everyone and leave a, a raised field behind me for goodness like don't that's not no. goodness right now no. it does not mean that you get walked on either i blame warhammer for this by the way yeah, probably. Like, I mean, this is the followers of Sigmar to a T. Yeah, and it's it's the general gritty heartbreaker fantasy, you know. And it's not always it's. But but Warhammer was the first one. It is. It's not strictly speaking 
all gaming either. You know, there's plenty of other awful fiction along the same lines, you know. Even outside of fiction, there's like that trope of of like, oh, oh gosh, what's the phrase? There's a specific like phrase. Torquemada was not a good guy. <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. Something along the lines of like, I can't help it. I'm brutally honest. Stuff like that. Like your brutal honesty is not welcome. Yeah, your, your brutal honesty is more brutality than honesty a lot of the time, too. You can be totally and completely openly honest about something and give your honest opinion without being brutal. Yes. Yes. And this is one of those excuses for bad behavior that I see. Yeah. I'm just, you know, again. I'm just being honest. I'm just playing my character. I'm just saying it like I see it. Uh, no. I'll just play devil's advocate here for a second. You're being a dick. I think that Wonder Woman actually was lawful good because I, I liked this scene a lot and it was went by like that in the movie. There's a scene kind of in the middle of the Wonder Woman movie where she's getting ready to ship out with the soldiers that she's going to be with. They're kind of like on the docks or something like that. And she comes across ice cream for the first time. It's being sold out of somebody's cart. She takes it and she's obviously moved by the experience because she's never had ice cream before. And ice cream's pretty awesome. And she, her reaction to this is not to like look at one of her companions and be like, this is really good and keep walking. She looks at the vendor like square in the eyes and said, you should be very proud. And that kind of like almost a little bit choked up voice that I just did now. And it's it's mm -hmm. like, I appreciate the good that you did in the world, even if it's just this little piece of food. And I want you to know that I see this. I don't see how that's lawful, though. Like, I'm not getting the lawful out of that. I'm it's just it's just good. It's the kindness. I'm just not getting the lawfulness out of that. I, I think the yeah. okay okay now, hang on I can to be clear, that if you like I think, me hold on, hold on, hold on, one sec I think <laughs> emphasizing that that niceness is an excellent thing don't get me wrong okay but I don't know that okay that's the, fine the, but the the thing that I want eh? to draw out here out of the specific scene is credit where credit is due this person did something. They are owed credit for the thing that they did. That is a very orderly outlook on things, even if it happens like that. Mm. Okay, I kind of get what you're saying there. I just think we came about it to a real from a, a really weird spot where we're not talking about lawful nice anymore. This is both orderly and that it's like this is part of this person is owed this credit and that sort of thing. It is good. It is lawful good. It is not necessarily lawful nice because it is something that this person has earned and they are making sure that they get it yeah that's what i was trying to say like okay. I, I got that where you're you know the idea of like paying yeah. debt as it were yeah it's a bit of a stretch for me i'm still going neutral good for her i i, I agree in general but i i like the idea that giving the idea of like giving full credit where credit is due is a sense of like Oh, yeah, you know, everybody gets what they are owed, right? I always pay all of my debts. I, you know, give, I, I meticulously give credit to every person. That idea I can see fitting within that general yeah, for alignment sure. archetype. There's, there's one other thing that I want to throw in. I've got a passage of scripture here that I think is kind of germane to this. Um, this is 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. That, I think, probably that section from one of Paul's letters debunks the idea that you can be good and be a complete jerk all the time. Yeah. Very neatly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Very absolutely. The second piece that I think is, uh, well, the second bit of advice for depicting these characters well, not everyone's going to be lawful good either. Right? You got to pick your battles. The AD&D 2nd Edition description of the paladin actually calls this out, sort of. Where they're saying, well, you know, the paladin won't work with anybody who's actively evil. But, you know, he'll tolerate other people who, you know, are good or at least, you know, working along with them so long as they're not doing harm. There's other stupid bits about like, well, the paladin will only accept stealth as a uh, a last resort. It's yeah. like, oh, come on. Right? But, but the idea of like specifically saying they have high standards, but they specifically do not want or expect other people to live up to those standards because they know they have taken on a very hard task. Paladins take vows and most of the, they actually like stand up in front of a bunch of other members of the order and swear to this very strict code of conduct and stuff. That is not a normal thing that everyday people do. Peter, your, your character in the, the D&D game that I ran for a while, though, the, col- the, the colony game, really struggled with this to a mm-hmm. certain degree. The back and forth of how do I accept this, how do I understand you, was much more interesting than, well, I'm not going to play with this person. The thing is, there is, it was like, this goes back to the first point. Lambert genuinely cared about Aster and Garm. A lot! <laughs> like, almost like family. It was it was easier for him through that context to be like, okay, I definitely wouldn't have done that thing, but I know about, you know, his or her background and why they probably felt like they had to do that. So instead of like being like, I'm going to lock you in jail or smite you like the evildoer you are, it's like, I'm going to have a conversation with them. I'm going to hope they do better next time and we're going to move on, you know? Yeah. Um, This is a point where I would like to point directly back to our positive metagaming episode. This is a case where metagaming is probably a really good thing. Because, like, if your character in character would never associate with, like, the rest of the party, you have to metagame and say, well, this time they are and they will. Because otherwise you have no group cohesion and your game is going to feel bad. I would also like to say that if if your character is going to immediately write somebody off because they are not lawful good, you are missing one of probably the better story opportunities that you can come across, which is, and, and this goes for all good alignments, being key in somebody else's redemption arc. Mm-hmm. If the person who, you know, is is downtrodden and has one of the most negative outlooks on life has not no good influences they're hecked yeah they're they're gonna have a real hard time changing because they won't even know what change looks like yeah so denying yourself that story opportunity is is just i think it's a bit foolish 
that's kind of tragic. I mean, yeah, you know, that's that's a really impactful story when you can tell it. Mm-hmm. It'd be a shame to leave that on the table. Yeah. Last thing, have some goals. I mean, this is a good thing for any character. Please have goals. Please have motivations. Please don't just wander around being spoon fed by the GM at all times. It's OK mm-hmm. if you do that for the first couple of sessions, but come up with some goals. <laughs> yes, exactly. And GMs, please give opportunities for goals. But to the point of, of lawful good here, stand for something. And some of this comes back to our conversation about courage. But stand for a thing and be proactive about it, right? Even if it's just preserve this good from a threat, that's okay. Stand for something. Generally speaking, stand for a better and just, a more just world. That's that lawful good approach. One thing I kind of want to remind everyone, lawful good is not just for paladins and clerics. I know those are the archetypes, okay? Because of the paladins specifically in older versions of D&D, having to be lawful good, that is absolutely the pal- the archetype. And from Paladin, we sort of get clerics, because so, yeah, they're the other divine character class. We get it, right? I would love to see a lawful good, I don't know, bard? Lawful good fighter? Well, you're playing one of those. You wanted that so badly you played one. Trather is uh, lawful good, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite ones that I've seen recently is... A wild magic sorcerer who is lawful good. I need to know about this character. I will tell you later because it's one of the kiddos. He's actually doing a not bad job. Great. But yeah, like I love that idea of somebody who is playing something that is not necessarily within type working for something else. And that's great. I love that. Yeah, I mean, imagine what a lawful good rogue Ooh. would be like. Yeah. And if you can't, I have two words for you, Sherlock Holmes. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is getting into a weird sort of mysticism, but like John D as a yeah. lawful good wizard. Who is John D? John D was the um, mystic Christian astronomer, astrologer, and angel summoner who was connected to the court of Queen Elizabeth I. Okay, he uh, was one of the foremost Christian mystics of England in that time frame, wrote a lot of occult stuff, but was very much the, no, no, this is just, you know, basically me calling down the occult powers of heaven to do good. Okay. You know, you know, for, for the benefit of like the English court. He was, he was huh. a dude. <laughs> yeah. He was an interesting guy. But that idea of, you know, a wizard who can't, has contracts and only does good things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's great. You saw a bunch of them, like, in the Harry Potter series. There were a bunch of, like, the really, like, the better teachers and stuff that were like, okay, we need to teach these kids how to use this power they have responsibly and in a way that it doesn't, you know, involve people getting hurt. We're going to take this very seriously, and we're going to do this in an orderly fashion. And thankfully, that never <laughs> happened in any of those yeah, books. Yeah, but I mean, that's the, that is a character archetype that existed, but... Yeah, but they all, yeah. a few of them certainly tried. Yeah, something else interesting... As of 5e, you can play a lawful good barbarian, which opens up some really interesting possibilities. Path of the Ancestral Guardian yeah. jumps to mind. I don't want to get too deep into like specific character class combinations and stuff, but I do like the idea of stepping away from paladin and cleric. And if you're like if you want to play a character who's lawful good, and I understand people want to sometimes do that. They want to play somebody who's just, you know, moral and forthright. Don't feel like you're trapped in heavy armor with a mace. That's my point. Yeah, Lawful Good Druid could be interesting. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. 
Uh, yeah, although I think lawful good technically is not within the rules, but eh, rules, whatever. Uh, it is in 5e. They got rid of alignment restrictions for everything in 5e. Did they? Okay, cool. I don't remember that, but that's not to say it's not true. There's a lot of things I don't remember. I, I reviewed it recently doing something else, so it's, yeah. I'm, I'm glad. Like, again, I'm entirely for it. One other last little thing I want to throw out here, and this harkens back to the conversation we had about, like, corrupt systems. Lawful good doesn't apply just to characters. In fact, all of these alignments don't apply just to characters. We kind of talked about, like, cultures earlier, organizations as well. And you can certainly have, I, I think it's, in fact, very interesting to have characters who are members of organizations, but for whatever reason don't fully line up with that and their their alignment differs. I, I mentioned this in part because of the Eberron game that we're playing. I've been jumping through the Eberron uh, source material that I'm using, specifically Sharn City of Towers, and there's Church of the Silver Flame, which is this um, very much lawful good organization within the city. The head of the church is lawful evil. Yep. <laughs> He's extremely evil. He is selfish and in it just for his own personal profit and power. Now, in Eberron, that does not stop him from casting good spells because, again, this was written in 3rd edition you know, when alignment restrictions mattered and the setting made a specific point of that doesn't matter in this game. <laughs> I like the, the idea, and you can easily flip that around and have, you know, again, a reformer character or somebody fighting against a system that they think is oppressive, and I think there's plenty of good in that. There, You can also very much be agents of a lawful good organization rooting out problems within it. Mm -hmm. So don't just feel like this conversation is limited entirely to characters. Anything with a, a moral direction and purpose in a game, give this some thought to. All right. Anybody got anything else on this? No, I think we're done arguing for one session. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Let's wrap it up. If you enjoyed the episode, please like it, share it, let people know about it. That does a great deal for us. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts on this. I'm sure you have some. I'm looking forward to hearing them. You can find us at sdgcast.org. You can find all of our back episodes there. You can find links to our Discord, which is full of amazing community members, all of whom are awesome. And we'll also have this out with you in the Discord, I am sure. <laughs> you can also find us on Twitter, Saving the Game. Facebook, we are Saving the Game. We're easy enough to find. And yeah, am I missing anything? Don't think so. Sweet. From all of us here at Saving the Game, have a good one. Take it easy. We'll catch you next time. See you later, folks. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.